The epistle reading comes from Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The gospel reading for this morning comes from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Hear now the reading of the word of the Lord. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Luciana Pavrotti, a world-famous opera singer with a beautiful tenor voice, Many of you are familiar with him, I'm sure. As he was growing up, his father encouraged him to develop his voice. So he studied with a professional tenor in his hometown. But he wasn't entirely certain that that was the direction he needed to go. So as he grew older, he went to college and studied to be a teacher. When he graduated from college, he asked his father, Shall I be a teacher or a singer? His father answered, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. He chose to become a singer, and the world knows his name and his voice because of that choice. Later in life, as he told that story, he said, whether it's laying bricks, whether it's writing a book, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves over to it. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. People make choices every day. You make choices, don't you? You choose what to have for breakfast. Do I have one cup of coffee or two? 
Do I put cream and sugar in my coffee or not? You choose what to wear for work. Although I will admit that during the pandemic, when many of us are working from home, choosing what to wear for work has become a lot easier. We, we can be a lot more casual with that. You choose whether to be nice to someone or not. You choose whether to be nice to someone while you're driving to work and back, if that's your morning routine. You choose whether to be nice to someone or not just based on what little bit you know about them potentially for that moment. And sometimes you even get to choose to stay home and not have to work. Perhaps you can choose to just take a day off. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and while you were contemplating the day, said to yourself, let me make a list of all of the things I'm going to do today. I'm sure some of you have. I love making lists. I love making lists and then crossing things off my list because I feel like I'm accomplishing something. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and said, let me go ahead and decide what sins I'm going to commit today? Let me decide what sins I'm going to commit today and let me make a list and then as I go through the list, I can cross them off, and I'll know when I have finished sinning for the day. Have you ever done that? Probably not. Probably not, because we like to think about sinning as not being a choice. We like to think about sinning as something that just happens it's out of our control. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean it that way. I didn't think there was anything wrong with what I was doing. I wasn't hurting anybody, so it really doesn't count as a sin, does it? Or, and those of you who are, are under the age of 50, you may not recognize this name, or to quote that famous philosopher, Geraldine Jones, the devil made me do it. Choices we make are in our control. And those choices include how we respond to the name of Jesus and how we live out the life that we have as a result of knowing his name. When we read this passage in the Gospel of John, we read what is probably the best known Bible verse in all of Scripture. Little children grow up learning this Bible verse. We see it all over the place. We see it on billboards. We see it on signs in, the, in baseball games. You can watch professional baseball and football games, and almost inevitably there's someone sitting in the stands that's holding up a sign that says John 3.16. Even people who are not Christian can at least recognize that that's a scriptural reference the verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. As I was reading this passage and preparing for this sermon, I thought, what can I say about this passage that hasn't already been said? What can I say about this passage that you haven't already heard, you good and faithful churchgoers? And then I considered this passage from a slightly different perspective. So what if I shared with you that this verse is about the choices we make when we hear the name of Jesus? So let's consider it from that perspective. 
just a few minutes. In this verse from John, we are told that to believe is to receive eternal life and to not believe is to perish. That's the outcome of the choice we make. Based on the choice we make about whether we believe or not, we either have eternal life or we perish. This verse begins with God and God's love. God so loved the world. When you read the Bible cover to cover, which I hope that you have done at least once in your life, if not, I encourage you to do that. That's the story you're reading. You're reading the extended version of God's love. Every word in the Bible from the creation and God calling creation good to the new heaven and the new earth. This is the story of God's great love for the people he created, the people that he actually breathed his own breath into in order to give us life. Unfortunately, the story includes over and over and over again instances of where we have failed to live in God's love. And every time that happens, God reaches out to us again. He looks for new ways to try to find us. He looks for new ways to invite us to draw closer to Him, to invite us to live in His love. And when all else failed, He sent His Son. You heard the word used in Scripture. Gave. God gave His Son. He gave His Son to the world for us to experience His love in a fresh way. He gave His Son up to death in order to save us. He gave His Son because He wanted to save the world. The entire world. The love spoken of in this verse is the love for the entire world. Now it's easy for us to be exclusionary. It's easy for us to feel like, well, we disagree with them, and obviously we're right and they're not. It's very easy for us to say that person, whatever category that person falls into, doesn't belong with us because, and then you fill in the blank, that person doesn't belong with us because they're not good enough, because they don't behave right because they don't dress good enough, because they don't have the right color of skin, because they're not the right gender. Lots of reasons to exclude people, but that is not what this verse says. This verse says that God loves the entire world, the whole world, all who are in the world. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Just because God loves the entire world doesn't mean that we can live any way we want to. That's where choice and making choices comes in. We are responsible for how we respond to God's love. And the Gospel of John tells us what living in response to God's love looks like. It looks like obedience because John uses the word believe 
as an action verb. When John writes that whosoever believes, what he's saying is that whosoever believes in such a way that their lives are changed, their spirits are transformed, whosoever believes and responds with obedience will receive eternal life. We might ask, what does that obedience look like? John 13, 33 and 34 says, A new command I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's Jesus himself speaking. Obedience looks like living out the love of God that we have received by sharing that love of God with others. That's what it looks like. If this verse starts with God loving the world enough to sacrifice His beloved Son for the world, then perhaps it should end with us loving God and His Son enough to love the entire world in the same way that they do. By the choice we make of whether or not to follow and obey Christ, we pronounce our own eternal judgment. And John has made it clear that obedience means loving God as God loves us. I'm going to share a story for you, story with you. I shared this story not long ago at an event at our G2G mission event back in January. So if you were present at G2G and you've heard this story, um, please forgive me for making you listen to it again. When I was in college and wrestling with the call to ministry in a day when women were often turned away from ministry, even though the Methodist Church allowed for female ministers, in that day, while I was in college in Athens, there was the first lady minister appointed to any church in that area. And so on the weekends when I was still in Athens, I would occasionally go to church there just to see what she had to say, just to see what a lady minister might be able to do. One Sunday when I was there, I slipped in right before church started, and we went through the normal order with hymns and prayers and all of the things that you, you usually do to start church. And it came time for the sermon, and she stood up, and, and she looked at her Bible, and she folded it up, and she put it down, and she said, we're not having a sermon today. We have a decision to make. We have a decision to make as a church. She started telling the story of someone who had arrived at the parsonage the day before, someone who was homeless at that particular time, someone who had, had lived a life away from home for a while but was looking to, to go home, but he didn't want to go home as a beggar. So he was asking for the opportunity to live in the church and pay for his room and board in the church by doing odd jobs around the church while he did handyman kind of work, like carpentry work and such as that, in the neighborhood so that he could earn some money to go home and buy his own ticket home and 
have some money to start over when he got there. And she said to the church, I can't make this decision by myself. You have to help me make this decision. So let's talk about this. He, he's waiting. He needs an answer. Will we help him or not? And, and there ensued a very heated debate, I have to say. And some in the church were all about helping this man. Yes, let's help him. Let's give him a place to stay. Let's work to find him odd jobs and handyman kind of work so that he can earn some money. We can let him stay here. That's not a problem. And others in the church were just as adamant that that did not need to happen. What if he steals our brass candlesticks on the altar? What if he has homeless friends in the community and once we let him in, he starts letting his homeless friends in? What if he makes the church a mess and we have to come in every week and clean up after him? What if he takes advantage of us? What if? What if? After about 15 minutes of, of what I've described as a very heated discussion, the church needed to vote. And so the pastor came out with little slips of paper, and she passed them out to everybody in the church, including to me. I, I received a piece of paper, and she said, just write on your paper, yes, meaning we will help him, no, meaning I'll go tell him he needs to move on. I couldn't decide which way I needed to answer. And I finally decided that I really didn't need to answer anyway. And I was very comfortable in that decision. I thought, well, I'm not actually a member of this church. I only come on Sunday mornings occasionally. I really don't have a full investment in this church or in this building or in the brass candlesticks. So I'm just not going to vote. I don't need to vote. And that made me very comfortable. I was actually quite relieved to, um, to come to that realization that because I wasn't a member there, I, I really didn't need to vote. So they took up the pieces of paper, and I turned in my little folded piece of paper with nothing written on it, and a couple of the folks in the church counted. And the vote to help the man passed by about two votes. It was very close. I told you the discussion was heated. And then the preacher said, let me introduce you to this man. And we all expected that she was going to walk out toward the fellowship hall and, and bring somebody back in, but she didn't. She reached over and picked her Bible up. And she began to read passages about Jesus from the, the New Testament. Passages about Jesus not having a place to lay his head. Passages about Jesus and the work his father did of being kind of a handyman, a carpenter. Passages about Jesus and the many times he was rejected. And I sat there and realized I had abstained on a vote about Jesus. And the vote to help Jesus only passed by a very narrow margin. 
that experience has stayed with me ever since. And it drives the way I respond to people even today. Because I am called to love others in the same way that God loved me by giving his son. During the season of Lent, the question we must ask ourselves is, do we really believe, and does that belief show itself in obedience? Can people look at us and see love as the evidence of our obedience? Have you chosen to follow Christ into a life of loving others? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hear this prayer of offering this morning, and as you hear these words, consider how you can offer yourself and your gifts and your tithes to God. People of God, let us offer our sacrifice of thanksgiving, telling of God's deeds with songs of joy. Merciful God, we thank you for your wonderful works among humanity. Accept this offering with the dedication of our lives and help us be for the world an emblem of your steadfast love. In Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>